please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Hi, this is Greg McIntyre and Brenton Begley. We are here for the Elder Law Report. I'm an attorney at McIntyre Elder Law. All we do is estate planning and elder law. And this is our special trust edition. We're going to talk about trust the entire time. I'm with my law partner, Britton S. Begley. Britton, you want to int- introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, Britton S. Begley, you said my name for me. That's uh, appreciate that. Um, B.S. Begley. That's right, B.S. Begley, as, as I'm well known. But that's because that's my initial, not for any other reason. That's right, that's okay. right. So so being straight, that's what that, you know, yeah, sh- being shooting straight. straight, shooting straight, right? <laughs> you know, right. you're telling the truth. So the truth about trust. Let's talk about the truth about trust. Trust me, okay? I think I wrote an article named that one time. You know, trusts are really hot right now because of the current, uh, say, you know, political tenor, tax tax environment, you know, right. things that have been rumored to come about, like, um, you know, uh, increased uh, or, de- you know, decreasing the tax exemption for a state and debt tax at the federal level, Um possibly doing away with the step-up in basis regarding capital gains tax, which is huge. Um, And there's just so many other things that trusts do a great job at. They can do all the heavy lifting, avoid probate, um, and also preserve possibly the step-up in basis and help as much as double that estate tax exemption. So, so let's talk about those things just kind of methodically within the next half hour. And I hope you enjoy it. So enjoy the ride. Let's learn a little bit about trust. Let's discuss that. And we're so, so blessed to be coming to you today from the Hendersonville area, Shelby area, and Charlotte area. Um, so, Britton, why don't you kick it off? Let's talk about trust and their many benefits. Yeah, so trusts have lots of benefits. One of the reasons why I like to use trusts is they're such flexible tools that, you know, you can use them for a lot of different things. So we have two types of trusts, revocable and irrevocable trusts. At the top down, it really is. You can break them off. I mean, there's so many different types of trusts. But right. at the base level, we like to think of them as revocable and irrevocable. That's right. I mean, you can only have... I mean, within the categories of revocable and irrevocable, you can have a bunch of different types of trust, but it's, the trust is either going to be revocable or irrevocable. So, so I don't have my dictionary handy right now, uh-huh. okay? And as someone who's never read the dictionary, what does revocable and irrevocable mean? Okay, so revocable means that it can be revoked, right? So it's important to know what the parties to a trust are, right? So if you make the trust, you're the trust maker, or grantor, and it's it, it, the revocable nature of the trust relates to the person who made it. So if so I make you a mean trust, that if it's revocable, I can revoke it. Yep, you can change it. Wow, you can revoke it. Shocker, <laughs> right? Okay, so if it's revocable, that means I can revoke it. I'm, I'm the trustee. Yeah, I've got my hand in the cookie jar. Even if you're not the trustee, you even, just made even if no, I'm not, I can yeah. revoke it anyway. You can revoke it anyway or change it and amend it in any way if it's a revocable If trust. I am the trustee, I can put any property into it, take any property out of it. That's right. It's tagged in my social security number. Yep. There's no double taxation. Right. No higher tax on the income that there could be in an irrevocable trust. Right. 
doesn't have to be that way in a year. It doesn't. Not if you disperse all the income. Right. And let's talk about the the Kessner ruling. That's right. Let's talk about the irrevocable trust, though. So the irrevocable trust is uh, a trust that cannot be amended or revoked by the person who made the trust, the trust maker or the grantor. Um, And, you know, that that concerns a lot of people when you first say, oh, I can't change this thing. It's set in stone once once I make it. But I like to explain it this way. If I'm creating a game, for example, that we're going to play, like a board game, if I get to set the rules to that game, well, I still have a lot of control, even if I can't change those rules when we start playing, right? Can't change the rules when you start playing the game. But if I get to make the rules, then I get to set up, you know, a lot of control, right? So, um, you mean even with an irrevocable trust? Even with an irrevocable trust. Even after I die. Right. So it, it takes a lot of a, a lot of forethought to make sure you you retain control when you have that that irrevocable trust or where you have some sort of control, but you have to know you can't change it once once you make it unless right. unless everybody all agrees. agree yeah all beneficiaries grantors trustees agree that's right you can pretty much do anything to an irrevocable trust if everybody agrees sure yes so it so it is a minimal. so. Is not technically irrevocable. Under the Uniform Trust Code, which North Carolina has adopted, thankfully, you can do just about anything as long as everybody agrees. Though. Sure. So in practice, with, so with like irrevocable a trust, trust, it's irrevocable. You, can, you, yeah. you can't revoke it. Right. Unless you can. Unless you can. But, every, everybody agrees. But in, in substance, for a lot of different trusts that are made, you have to, if you have a bunch of parties, mm-hmm. and this is why it's important to pick the right people to be on your trust. If you have a bunch of parties... You know, at least one of those people might not agree, right? So, um, you know, you could always amend it also if you need to sure. through the court system, but we want to try to prevent that sort of thing. It's one of the reasons why you set up trust. And that brings me to one of the reasons why you would either have revocable or irrevocable trust is, you know, you might not want to go through probate, right? We deal with probate cases all the time. We have a bunch of probate cases. We help people through that process, that long, arduous, expensive process. And, Wait a um, second, probate. Right. What the heck is probate? I like your tie, by the way. Thanks. Is that the scales of justice on your tie? They, they, this is the scales of justice. Are you going to court today? I am going to court. That's why okay. I have the scales of justice. That's on why you're going to bring justice to the court system. That's right. I used to tell some of my clients, "You don't want justice because <laughs> if you got justice, it wouldn't be a good thing." That's right. Because yeah. that's the balance. Whatever. Out, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do my best today as an attorney, but you don't want justice. <laughs> well, we're going to get justice. Today, we're going to get justice today. All right. Yes, sir. So, so probate. Probate. So if I if I get my will done and mm-hmm. I'm passing everything through my will, yeah. right? How do how does it actually get? How does my house? How does anything that's a titled asset? Yeah. Any real estate. Personal property. How does it get to my heirs? How does it get to my kids? Yeah. So probate is a default process. If I just have a will and I haven't really prearranged any other assets to pass immediately to my loved ones, then everything has to go through probate because title has to change hands somehow legally. And to do that, you have to go through this system, right? The court system and this process called probate where, you know, you, you open up an estate, an executor or administrator is appointed and they, you know, change title to the beneficiaries. But before that, they have to pay all the debts. They have to publish in the paper, let everybody and the dog know, hey, if this person owes you So there's you a money. wait period from the first date you publish that Greg McIntyre kicked the bucket. Right. Okay. Is that there's a notice to creditors that's right. published in the paper for four consecutive weeks in the county where I lived and died. Yep. 
And then I wait, I have to wait 90 days. My estate has to wait 90 days. Yeah. And that's the lien period. That's so creditors can attach liens to my property. Yeah, and that's hugely important. You know, all estate. that time creditors have that opportunity to come in and make claims against the estate. And a lot of people think to themselves, well, I'm not worried about that because I don't have any creditors. I pay my bills. But the problem that we see is, you know, most people who pay their bills, right, they rack up a bunch of creditors right before they pass away with nursing home bills, hospital bills, healthcare bills with or, a or Medicaid. If Medicaid paid out, what for if them? I needed long term care? What yeah. if I needed nursing home care? For a few years, a couple years. I mean, many times, man, those those bills are eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars a month or more. Yeah, a month. A month. I mean, many people spend out everything they've made their whole life and lose their homes. Yep. Because of the high cost of nursing home care. Yes. And very few, a small percentage of people have long-term care insurance, right? Yep. Yep. And we're not insurance agents. We don't sell long-term care insurance. No. But we can, from a legal aspect, even if you don't have long-term care insurance, help protect your assets from the probate process and liens like Medicaid liens attaching. Because if you spend out your money and you don't have the bankroll to pay for nursing home care, you're going to have to roll the Medicaid to pay for it. That's right, because you know there's two sides to this. If you roll the Medicaid, or what if what what if we help you, you know, protect those assets that you have and qualify you for Medicaid from the outset, and it's a system you pay into your whole life. So hey, you can use that to pay for long term care. So what if you came to somebody like us, you got qualified for Medicaid, and we protected the assets? Medicaid pays out for your long term care. Well, it's my money. The other side. I'm just taking it back. Exactly. But the other side of that is, and what we pay attention to, is Medicaid wants that money back. Right. They want to get it after you pass away. They want to get it from my house. I spent 30 years paying off a mortgage to the bank for three times as much as I borrowed. Exactly. Exactly. And and in North Carolina, though, they're limited in how they can go after those assets. They can only go after the assets that are passing through the probate process. So because we're not an expanded recovery state. That's right. We're a limited recovery state here in North Carolina. So that gives us the opportunity to say, hey, okay, if we protect these assets and we keep them out of probate, then we keep them out of the hands of Medicaid being able to recover. Whether or not you plan ahead and preserve those assets and then get on Medicaid, or if you if you didn't plan, and so you an have irrevocable to trust can be a great tool. There. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, can be an amazing tool. Yeah, what because we call it, a Medicaid asset protection. Trust. Sure, we can yeah. build a Medicaid asset protection trust. Hey, you know, um, and and that can help protect retirement benefits. It can help re- protect the home, life insurance, life insurance, annuities, yep. stocks, bonds, yep. securities, property. A trust can really own anything. It can own an unlimited amount of accounts and assets. Yep. Um, and the trustee controls those. And then you can still be a beneficiary of the income for the rest of your life. Yes. So this is not just, so not only could it help someone who's scared that, you know, hey, I want to make sure my assets are protected. What if I've got plenty of money? I'm not worried about it. How yeah. can a trust help? 
yeah, you know, if you got plenty of money, you're not worried about it. Well, you should be worried about it because the cost of long term care. Why should I be? I'm going to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Why should I be? I'm I'm a fat cat multimillionaire. Okay, uh-huh. that's what I. Am, all right, today I play. This is what I'm playing on the show. Okay. Why do I care if my money goes through probate or not? I've got a will. I wrote it myself. Right. Because I'm a control freak. Right. Well, there's a couple of reasons. The first thing that jumps out at me is if it goes through probate, you got a lot of money going through probate. Everybody and their dog is going to try to challenge whatever you've written, especially if you wrote that will yourself. What's going to happen in that estate? My kids could fight over my assets. Yeah. My kids are sweet and lovely. Do you think they'd fight over money? You know, I, I bet everybody's kids out there are good people, and I, I would I would not argue with that fact. But what I've seen, okay, I've done a lot of what they call will caveat cases, whether I've defended them or been hired to do suing it. People. That means I'm suing people and challenging a will. Suing people. And that's, okay. that's alive and well right now. That practice is suing to challenge wills is alive and well in every county in sure. the state. Sure. There are hundreds, thousands of cases. Will caveats in every county in the state. Sure. Challenging wills over less money than you would think, less property than you would think. Right. Over the pettiest of things. I, there's not a doubt in my mind that if that that substantial amount of money was going through probate. So will caveat, is, you know, that's, you know, setting up my family to fight over yeah. my assets. That's that's an, Plus, you, if you don't plan to keep it out of probate, too, you don't plan to keep it away from uh, federal estate tax. Which is a huge deal. Yeah, so so why am I worried about that? I mean, what? Well, the federal estate tax right now, um, the rate, and, and this rate won't change, it's 45 to 50% of your estate is taxed. So half my estate will go to the government. Yes. If I hit over the taxable exemption limit. That's right. So a lot of people right now are too terribly worried about North Carolina. And I'm worried about it. I work hard for that money. Right. Right. Well, a lot of people aren't worried about it because half of it. they're not subject to the tax. I gave the government plenty of, of everything I made during yeah. my entire life. Well, a lot of people aren't worried because they're not subject to the tax right now because right. you have to give over $11.18 million right now to be you know subject to that tax. But they're going to lower that. I heard it might be lower, though. In the threes. Yeah, $3 million. And, yeah. and that still might seem like a lot for a lot of people. But it this this includes everything you own. Insurance. Property, your home, money, retirement accounts, and start combining those things, and you can get up there. Yeah, you can get up there pretty quick. And they can take half of all that. Yes, I don't want that. How how can a how can a trust help me? So a trust, the irrevocable trust specifically, can help take advantage, especially right now before they change that. Right now, I mean, make hay while the sun shines. Right, we have eleven point one eight million dollar exemption for a lifetime gift. Right. And we can take advantage of that now. So you can give up to eleven point one eight million dollars, twenty two point three six if you're a couple to a trust and lock in that exemption right now before they change it. So what if I don't want to do an irrevocable trust? I want to still maintain control for the rest of my life. Can it go irrevocable when I die? My wife's a little bit younger than I am. Mm-hmm. OK. Um, and I'm pretty sure and I've lived hard. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I'm going to pass before she does. Okay, <laughs> she's you know she she jogs every day and eats fruits and nuts, and so that's pretty much that, you know, that's her lifestyle. So 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 when I die before she does, can it go irrevocable then and be set up to take care of her for the rest of her life? Yeah, you know, and maximize our taxable exemptions. Yeah, you can basically give your taxable exemption to her so she can double hers. 
And at that time, it becomes irrevocable. She still benefit from the income and everything that y'all built together at that time would be uh, protected and preserved from the estate tax. From the estate tax when she dies. Now I'll trust. I'll trust my kids to be the trustee now because I, I don't know. I just don't want them to. I mean, I do. I trust them. I love them. But uh, you know, what about having a corporate trustee or some third party trustee? You can absolutely do that. Okay. Yeah. You guys help me find a company or somebody who can do that? Yeah. Or or we could do it. I mean, uh, it's not unheard of to have your attorney act as that trustee. Okay. Yeah. So you guys have the option to do that. Yep. In fact, you know, I think our firm manages quite a number of trusts right now. Yes, we do. Okay. So, okay. Trust can help me avoid probate. Avoid estate tax. Avoid the cost of long-term care. Avoid the cost of long-term care. What about ease? You know, I've heard this probate thing can take six months, a year, some of them even two years yep. to get through. Longer. Or longer. Yeah. You know, how's that compared to a trust and the ease of trust administration versus probate? Well, trust happen just instantaneously, right? So if it's my trust, the moment my head hits the dirt, it is my beneficiary's assets and all my trustee has to do. So if I'm the trustee, I'll have a backup one appointed. All my new trustee has to do, or my trustee, if they were, you know, if I appointed them during my life, all they have to do is give those assets away to sure. the beneficiaries per the terms that I've already put in the trust. So it's not going to be confusing, anything like that. It, all the directions are right there. All they have to do is write the check or sign the deed or whatever to distribute those assets. Would, would you guys work with my uh, my trustee if I were to pass away? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So routinely, if we draft a trust for somebody or if someone has a trust, the trustee, after they pass away, come in and we tell them, hey, you know, this is how easy it is, and we, and we walk them through. Um, and it's we not offer a free concept to do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And we give a certificate. And, and here's the other thing. Here's the other benefit of trust. So we talked a little bit about will challenges, will caveats. You know, trust, it's much, much harder to challenge a trust, okay? You know, there's no saying that um, possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? So, I mean, if it passes instantaneously to the beneficiaries and the trustee already passes it, right? So there's a very, very small window of time in which you have to challenge a, a trust, Right, as opposed to a will. After someone dies, you have three years that you can go back and challenge that will. And sure, you could challenge the trust after a certain amount of time, but those people already have those assets. It's much, much harder to recover assets, right? If if you have that, if you have that trust. So so that means that the person who made the trust, their wishes are much more likely to be carried out. And not meddled with through some type of litigation. Okay. Okay. So it's, you think it may be a little more sound as far as challenges go. Exactly. It's more exactly. And we put a term in our trust. And quicker. And quicker. It's, it's almost instantaneous. Yep. You know, so a short period of time as opposed to right. over two years. And we put a term in our trust that says, hey, you know, if you're, if you're challenging this trust and you're supposed to take under it, if you're a beneficiary and you sure. decide to challenge this trust and, and, you, and you're not doing this challenge in good faith, then you lose your share, right? So that incentivizes, you know, individuals taking under the trust not to sue unless they have a really, really good reason. Right. Yeah. Well, this is just something nefarious going on inside the trust. The trustee's gone rogue or something like that. Yeah. Hey, we have some special things built in the trust as well to protect against that too, don't we? And if your trustee just 
went haywire and started spending the money on themselves, buying themselves lavish gifts, yeah. things like that. We have a trust protector built in. Right. What's a trust protector versus a trustee? Well, number one, the trustee has a fiduciary duty to the uh, to the beneficiaries, to the trust, and to the grantor. And if they violate that fiduciary duty, they can be held liable. So that's number one. The trust protector is exactly like it sounds. They protect the trust. So if something nefarious is going on, they can come in and say, hey, look, this person is violating their fiduciary duty. This trustee is violating their fiduciary duty and needs to be removed for the benefit of the trust. Trust protector also comes in and updates the um, any type of Scrivener's errors in the trust, which is basically a drafting error in sure. the trust, um, if it's a material error and actually has an effect on the trust. And, and they also um, can come in to amend a, a, an irrevocable trust if needed to bring it in compliance with the law. So the law changes something like that, and you need right. to amend the trust to make it compliant. Sure, sure. So, I mean, I, you know, that could be a, a third-party family member at our firm routinely serves as trust protector as well. That's right. And the way we hear about something funky going on with the trust is, trust me, the family will let us know. Somebody in the family is going to let us know, and we'll investigate it and see if if it's credible or not. And if we need to step in, remove the current trustee or put it in front of a court, something like that. Yeah. To decide. And, you know, another thing we do with our trust um, is a supplemental needs trust is built in. And, um, you know, that's extremely important to have just in case. So what's a supplemental ones. needs trust or special needs trust? What, what are those things? Yeah, so They're special, a little different. Yeah, special close. needs trust is created by the individual who benefits from the trust, but a supplemental needs trust is created by either a parent, a grandparent, or a guardian. Mm-hmm. So that trust is, is um, built for if your beneficiaries become a special needs individual, meaning that they're entitled to receive some type of means-tested government benefit. Disability. Which is, which is another they term They become for, disabled. Yeah, right. which is another term for disabled and able to get like Medicaid or SSI. So that, if I've got a kid, I have six kids. Yeah. And let's say one of them was disabled. Right. They can't have a bunch of assets and get SSI. Or Medicaid. became disabled because I don't know what, the, what accidents are going to happen or what's going to. In the future. Right? Yeah, I just don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. I, I can't predict the future. But I want to plan for it. Right. So what would that supplemental needs trust that's built into every will and trust that we draft? Right. What does that what does that do? Yeah, so they can't have a bunch of assets and still qualify for their lifetime benefit, you know, Medicaid. Like SSI. SSI. Yeah. Or SSDI. So, yeah. so the the important um the SSI. You know, yeah. yeah, the important function of the of the special needs trust or the supplemental needs trust is to allow them to receive their inheritance. So as much inheritance in the trust, as you want to leave them and not in that trust, that governmental benefit. that's right, and not kick them out of their lifetime governmental benefits which, that they're entitled to. Which SSI to. comes along with it, a Medicaid health care proponent as well, component as well. Right. <laughs> not proponent, component. Um, that that uh, Because sometimes there's a lot of elevated health care costs as well, and how are you going to pay that, right? Right. So, so it can hold your inheritance, and the trustee can still dole out that money to purchase things for that person. Yeah, anything that SSI or Medicaid is not covering can be covered by this supplemental needs trust just in general. There's some there's some regulations and some rules on that, and if you have one, it's best to go over those um, in detail before you spend from the trust. But sure. generally, it's meant to provide um, you know support and, and um, income, money, or resources over and above what those governmental programs are already paying out. Right. Agree. Right. right. So kind of recap here what 
what we you know, love about trusts is how flexible they are, how beneficial they can be for our clients. Number one, to avoid probate. Probate's a big deal. You don't want to have to go through it. You want to avoid that if you can. And if you truly love your loved ones, you don't want them to go through that. You want to avoid the possibility of some type of estate tax. That's huge, 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 huge. And gift generation skipping transfer tax, all that stuff, a trust can help you prevent from dealing with that. And hey, if you want to protect your assets just generally and possibly qualify for some type of long-term care benefit, given that 70% of individuals over 65 need some type of long-term care at some point in their lives. That's huge. And what else can trust do? It can help me write a story. If there's anything I love is sitting around the fire telling a good story, a good long story, okay? I believe so that. I might not trust my grandchildren at the time to get a bunch of money at 18. That might ruin them, spoil them, right? Yeah. And the key is, is to instill work ethic, while also giving them a better lot in life than you had, you know, for your children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, everything. Um, trust can allow you to distribute the money in a discretionary way, to make sure they go to college, and then to say perhaps once they've gotten a little more education, life experience under their belt, to add on uh, or to start distributing maybe so much per year, maybe say 10% a year at 25 to 35 until it's exhausted. Right. So we use, you know, you, you use smart distribution tactics right? as opposed to simply outright giving it to them free of trust. Right. So that can really help shape a family, I think, the right way as opposed to cursing them with too much money or. Right. Yeah. Because that that inheritance might go to a Maserati instead of tuition. I love a Maserati, but I'd love my grandkids to go to college more. OK, so this has been the Elder Law Report. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Life is busy, we all know. We put off planning till things get slow. Tomorrow's never promised today. Don't get too busy and let it all slip away. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Foundational planning or more complex. We can help when you're perplexed. If a loved one needs long-term care, we can help avoid some of the scare. Don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. State planning benefits and even probate. We take the planning piece off your plate. If you or your spouse were in the military, we can help with benefits for your family. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law.